Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale, Season 5, Episode 4, Purgatorio. After spending seven years away from Riverdale, Archie returns to find the town is now under Hiram Lodge's grip and on the verge of becoming a ghost town. Welcome to the real season premiere. Yeah, welcome to the present. It's the future. The future is now. And a bunch of the random bullshit things that people have said online. This is wild. This is weird. This is very weird. It's soap opera-y. This show is a soap opera. Like, yeah, duh, of course. They gave us some steaks to chew on. Just a few. They gave us. They did give us some steaks to chew on. They gave us a lot of eye rolly things. They did a lot of things that made me laugh out loud. So I mean, it hard. wouldn't. It wouldn't be Riverdale if no. they didn't. I will say, I really like the structure of the episode. Yeah, it I was. Mean, it was good. A lot of people were complaining about some stuff with Vanessa Morgan that we'll get to when we get to it, but I really liked it, so I'm okay with it. I didn't mind anything. Uh, when we get there, I'll I'll talk about some of the things that I saw people complaining about. Um, but I I thought she was phenomenal in this episode. I think everybody's phenomenal. Yeah, everybody actually did really well, so it was fun. I mean, story wise, I've got some some things to sure, bitch about, but you sure. know, but you know, it is interesting watching. All of these people that we've been with for quite a time get to play their own age, with the exception of KJ Abba, who's actually now playing older than his actual age. Ah. He's one of the younger ones of all of them. This is that's funny. Uh, Vanessa Morgan and Cole Sprouse are the same age. Ah, and then now Lily and Camilla and Madeline are all like I think they're all within one or two years of each other. So I think they're all right at 25, 26, 27. Okay, well, so yeah. <laughs> But so, I think I think KJ is actually only twenty three, <laughs> so he's now he went from eighteen to twenty five. He did. He very much did. It's very funny. Well, here we go. All right, so we start with Archie's in the locker room at Riverdale High. He's wearing a football uniform. We can also see Reggie is also in a football uniform, but we can see an army captain or officer in there too, and. They have been given the task of retrieving a fallen brother. And next thing you know, we are in a war zone on what is clearly the football field. And so this is so weird (laughs) because (laughs) it's supposed to be this juxtaposition between the football field and war. So it's a little bizarre and very cheesy, but I'm actually okay with it because as our first scene of, of pushing forward... This is actually a great way to transition because on the battlefield, he sees Reggie fall, which considering I really hadn't thought about what Reggie's future was going to be post time jump. I was like, oh, shit, did they just kill Reggie? <laughs> I really did think that. I was like, OK, Reggie's gone. then he sees Jughead fall on the battlefield, which I thought was fun to see Cole, you know, cry in pain. I thought that was fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's hilarious. And bleeding out? Yeah, that was fun. Um, and then uh, Archie sees Cheryl cheering for him in her costume. And then later he sees all the friends cheering on the side while he's at war. And while they're cheering, he picks up Jughead to, you know, take him, take him away to save him. He comes face to face with Hiram Lodge with a gun. And then he pulls the trigger. And then he pulls the trigger, we hear a gunshot, and he wakes up in a hospital bed. I knew it the second I saw the letterbox cave in. Like, I was like, oh, this is totally a wacky dream. I mean, the second I saw us on what was the football field war, I, I mean, I knew, I actually knew from the beginning, I was like, this is going to be a dream sequence. Of course it was. Which was fine. I didn't but have as a problem far as with their dream sequences go, this was, is a good one. I mean, it, it was well executed. And again, as a transition from we're jumping ahead... 
this is actually a great way. We've only ever seen KJ Appa as young Archie. Let's put him in a situation we're familiar with, but twist it. That makes sense to me. I think that's actually, that was actually a really smart decision. Yes. Good job. And so he's there, he's talking to the same sergeant and they're like, okay, are you ready to go home? He's like, no, I want to get back in the fight. And it's like, hey, you know, you've given seven years, uh, good years. Everyone in your company's alive because of you. And Archie says, not all of them. So, you know, Archie's seen battle. He's lost some, some friends in the war. Okay. Something happened here that makes me think Archie was like Medal of Honor guy. <laughs> I don't know about that. But he's being told, you know, the RROTC at your high school has been inactive. So you're going back there. And Archie's like, I didn't join the army to be a desk jockey, which makes total sense for Archie. Such a soap opera line. Of course. But it's also, <laughs> well, again, but that makes sense for who we know Archie to be. I, I get it. It's just such an on the nose line. And the sergeant says this is an order, so sign your paperwork and go. But just so you know, Corporal Jackson has just transferred in. Corporal Jackson, this is a character that we know is going to be returning because of the casting that was being floated around. Okay. I mean, for me, I just knew that from, like, the little tiny hints mm-hmm. they're dropping in the yeah. dialogue. I didn't know, I couldn't remember anything from the actual casting process, but I was like, oh, this guy's coming back. Uh, it, it was one of the characters that they were looking to cast. They were opening up. They wanted former vets, amputees. Yeah. So they were opening it up for that, which is awesome. And so later we see Archie reading to a soldier that's sleeping who has clearly lost a leg. Yep. And he's reading Farewell to Arms which is Hemingway's, like, first really successful book. Yep. Um, which is, you know, about a soldier in the war. It's about him going to fight in the Spanish Civil War. Yep. So it's, you know, appropriate. And, you know, given Jughead mentioning Hemingway later, it's funny. Yep. So later, Archie is making his bed. He's in his uniform. And the same soldier is up saying hi. You know, Archie's like, you know, how are you doing? And this soldier says... Oh, they got me on a ton of pain meds. I'm doing fine. So that's going to be some foreshadowing. (laughs) This is where are you going? I'm going to do the ROTC. They're working. They're having me work enlistment. And Corporal Jackson. I'm just going to call him Jackson from now on. It's like enlistment. That's messed up, dude. It's fucking messed up. Which is true. I totally understand. You know, this guy's lost a leg. Calling it now, this guy's going to have some, he's going to have some addiction problems. And he's going to go seek out Archie. Yeah. Archie says, you know, he's sorry. And then he wishes it was him and not Jackson. And Jackson says, yeah, you know, me too. The only reason I'm still breathing is because of you. So clearly they saw something bad and Archie was able to save him. So whoever he picked up out of that fight was Jackson and not Cole. I'm sure. And not Jughead, who we saw. That's who I'm going to assume. And so Archie gives him his address. He's like, you know, this is where I'm going. You know, look me up. And... He goes, oh, Riverdale sounds nice. And so Jackson offers a salute and Archie gives him a handshake instead, which is very sweet. That's fucking great. But I mean, aside from just knowing from the casting call for this character and that he's going to come back, you just know this guy's coming back. He's going to come seek out Archie because he's going to have an issue. There's going to be a problem and Archie's going to have to help save him again. Yeah. That's what what they're going to do. I mean, my bigger hope would just be that he needs a place to go and finds Archie. But, you know, (laughs) I forget. It's this. It's Riverdale. It's fucking Riverdale. Yeah, it's fucking Riverdale. (laughs) So then Archie gets off a bus. It's nighttime. We see him walk past the town sign. It's very foggy. And he's at Pops. But Pops looks a little different. It's a little dark. There's 
bikes lined up out front and he walks in and we're also greeted by a new character who's never named, but we know this is going to be Tabitha Tate. And he looks around and he sees that serpents are eating in Pops, which is not a bad thing, but it's just like, oh, this is a little different. And Tabitha is like, hey, you know, what are you looking for, soldier boy? If you want something stronger, you can head downstairs. Uh-huh. And so Archie's like, oh, okay. So he heads downstairs and we're all expecting to see Le Bon Nuit, but it is now the white worm. I was <laughs> I was very excited about this because I, I we knew the white worm was going to get reopened with Tony. We had that information before. I was not expecting it to be here, but that makes total sense and I love it. It's so fun. It's a perfect place for it. For that to exist, it's great for pop, and it's great for the serpents and for those kids. I'm gonna, I'm still gonna be calling them kids for this whole time, but that makes sense because they can trust pop. Yep, and pop can trust them. So that that it's a great partnership for all of them. So I love that. It's great. Yeah. Well, the serpents <laughs> need some place to be. Yeah, but what I mean is that it, the businesses have to coexist together, and they can do that. Yes, they definitely can. And yeah, that's what's important. So it's the White Worm and Archie's little surprise. He sees Tony performing on stage. She's very, she's fully pregnant with fangs and sweet pea and dancers with snakes. Drew Ray Tanner. is adorable. He has like fucking Dave Navarro hair. He does look very Dave Navarro. <laughs> And so some people are some people are online were kind of a little confused about why Sweet Pea or I can't remember if it's Jordan something. Um, Sweet Pea is not in the show more. He's got another job. He's on nurses, so that's why he has not been bumped up. That's part of the reason why he has not been bumped up to series regular. So we're not going to see him as much, but that's fine. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy. Like <laughs> Drew Ray Tanner looks. He they aged him up really well. <laughs> it's so fucking the, funny. the facial hair. The hair looks like he looks great. I'm so here for it. <laughs> Jordan O'Connor. That's it. Sorry. They are faking their guitar and bass so badly. They're having fun. But they are having way too much fun. They're having a good time. I'm here for it. It's so adorable. We also see Kevin in the crowd. We see Kevin in the crowd. And Kevin is wearing a serpent's jacket. I like it. Or a leather jacket. He looks great. Casey Cott looks adorable. And Tony sees Archie. And Archie goes and sits down. And he's very like... Wow. <laughs> like, what's going on? This is interesting. Wow. Things are different. Uh-huh. <laughs> so later, Tony and Archie are in a booth. They're talking about how grown up they've all gotten. Archie's just like, yeah, but you. And she's like, yeah, I'm pregnant. And he's like, yeah, who's the dad? If you don't mind me asking. And she's like, oh, I don't mind you asking, but I'm not going to tell you. It's a secret for now. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. And he's like, okay, so who owns this place? And she says, I do, with the serpents. We bought it from Hiram Lodge. A girl's got to get creative to survive in Riverdale these days. And he's like, what about Pop? And she's like, what do you mean? Well, where's Pop Tate? You didn't hear? Isn't that why you're here? What happened to Pop Tate? Riverdale. At that point, I was like, oh, yeah, he's dead or he's sick. I hate that they pulled that on us. I'm honestly, I'm fine with it because you know what? I know I'm not the only person who thought that. Everyone thought he was dead or he was he was dying. I mean, I'm fine with it. I'm totally fine with it. Good bait and switch. Good bait and switch. It's a it's a pretty good bait and switch. The second time around, I went this boo. But you know what? It's it's fine in the. I'm fine with it. Okay, with with uh, Tony's baby daddy thing. First of all, her hair. 
Her hair is fucking amazing. Her hair is phenomenal. I love it. She looks gorgeous. The big theory is that it's Kevin and Fangs' baby. That would make a lot of sense. We find out later that Kevin and Fangs are still together. They all live together. So the that's the big theory is that she's their surrogate. And so that would explain why it's a secret. So that they both donated and they don't know who the official father is going to, who who is the biological father of the baby that she is carrying. Fine. They're both going to be the dad. We just don't know who the biological father is. That's fine. So that's what the secret is. That's a, that's a good idea. Here's the thing. If the storyline is that Kevin and Fangs wanted to have a child and Tony offered to be the surrogate. And that's just it. And they kept it a secret because they didn't want anyone else's opinion or outside influence or whatever. Fine. I'm okay. But that can be the only storyline that I will accept that. Because anything about Tony doing it for money, fuck off. (laughs) Because, Because that is a very exploitive thing that happens to women of color. That's true. And I don't want that. And I don't want a Kevin and Fangs because they're together and they seem to be at least from this two second, like they have had the healthiest relationship of anybody on this goddamn show. They seem so happy. They were able to keep it together for years. Through college? Through college. They're in, they're together. They want to have a family. They should be allowed to do that. And I don't want any grossness involved. The only other thing could be that Tony had a relationship with someone and that she's deciding that she wants to have this child and that it came about through whatever. I don't know. That's the only other. No. Eh. No, because why are we Why are we bringing, like, I mean, why? What's I, the point? I don't know. What is the point of, bring, of that being a storyline? What's the point? I don't know. Exactly. Other than they, she was pregnant and they wanted her to be able to, to be pregnant. I just, I can see a couple other things that could happen and that's fine. But... I love the idea of Kevin and Fangs having a child. I'm fine with Tony being the surrogate, but it needs to be she offered because she's our best friend and she's supportive and we trust her. The end. Absolutely. There's not like this financial gain, blah, 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 because that comment, a girl's got to get creative to survive in Riverdale, feels icky and they better not be going that direction. That's what I don't want because that's fucking gross. It is. I I'm... have no problem with people being surrogates and aren't getting money out of it. Like, it's an amazing thing to do. It's an amazing gift that people can do for people But Riverdale, all. stop it. But this show and this character, it's exploitive. Who the fuck knows? I like, wouldn't put it past them. No. 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 Anyways. Now we're in Quantico. Now, Betty is running through a forest in her FBI trainee sweatshirt. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, again, this is one of the things that I really like how this episode was structured. Yeah. And I also like that Betty's the only one who we got actual little flashback pieces. Just the tiniest bit. Just a little bit because it was important to explain what was going on. And so I really hope we don't get a lot of that with any of the other characters because we shouldn't get it. You either show us... The seven years or you don't. This is the only one where it made sense because she had this very traumatic thing happen. She was in captivity for two weeks. Show us a flash of the captivity. That's fine. Well, and I got a sneaky suspicion this character is going to show up again. Oh, no fucking shit. 
I, I could see them doing other little tiny flashbacks for characters so long as it's rel- something happened that's relevant True. to the story. A, a moment, but you can't do this constantly over and over and over again. No. Otherwise, what's the point? What was the no, point no, no, of no. the f- jump? True. But again, I like how we, we focused on one character for a whole chunk and then we moved on. That's great. With Archie being the, the bookends with Tony. Yep. Loved it. So yeah, Betty is running through the forest and Betty goes to therapy. Which she desperately needs. She desperately needs, but she's in therapy because she is on basically administrative leave, but she's been assigned to cold cases. So basically all she's doing is filing because Betty got too big for her fucking britches. Big fucking shock. Uh-huh. And she was working a case called the Trash Bag Killer. Oh my God. TBK. TBK, which love. I'm here for this. <gasps> which TBK is essentially Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. He is, but also a rearranging of BTK. I'm not familiar with that. Oh, the Bind Torture Kill Killer? No. Oh, man. If you remember Dexter and John Lithgow's character. The... Oh, I was about to say, oh, because I could just think it was like, well, it's also a little bit Dexter because he would cut up all the bodies and put them in trash bags and dump them in the river. Yeah. Well, BTK, the, the biggest thing about that, that case was that he was known around town as just this family guy. And oh, he was, okay. And like was, you know, scout leader sure. yeah. guy doing random stuff. But he was incredibly, incredibly dark and twisted and his he was known by what he did to people which was bind torture kill oh okay oh okay that makes sense basically she went in she found the tpk she got captured because she went in without backup and she was held captive for two weeks so now she's on this administrative leave which would fuck you up which would totally fuck you up it's totally fair and we see her presenting a case to her boss whose name is glenn and he's looking at her she's like okay i feel like we have a migrating killer and he looks at her he's like you're supposed to be like filing these not creating a crazy quilt out of cold cases (laughs) and then we get the inkling in this moment that there's a relationship going on because he holds he tries to be like let's get some dinner and she's like oh i'm getting thai food with my friends betty clearly has no friends no it's all work and no play that's betty Betty's gone into the all FBI all the time phase and is a, is a mess, is a mess. Well, there's that, but I, I get the feeling that it's, this is my purpose. I'm super damaged. This is my job. Yeah. That's all. That's it. That, that's, that's, this is my identity. The end. So later she's in her apartment and she's, you know, she's not getting Thai food with her friends and she's reviewing the TBK case. This is where we see flashbacks of her, you know, and, you know, put the lotion in the basket. (laughs) She has a cat, which I find hilarious. It's very adorable. And so then later she's fallen asleep. She wakes up to her cat whining. Really creepy. Like bad whining. You're like, oh, clearly this cat's probably dead. The window's open. She goes and closes it. Then she goes into the hallway and she sees the cat is licking um, trash bag body parts. She turns around. It's a TBK killer with a chainsaw. She starts screaming. She wakes up. Cut back to therapy. She's lying about her nightmares. Yes. And the therapist is just not buying it. It's just like, you know, if you don't open up. And talk to me about your feelings. I can't help you. So Which, let's talk about your time in captivity. And of course, this happens in all these like FBI or cop procedural shows. Yeah. Where they're saying, I can't help you. Which has the meaning of like, I can't help you get better. But also, I can't help you get back to work. Like, you want to get back to work. But that's not going to happen until like, I see progress here. Like You have to actually talk about your shit. Exactly. And so, 
that's when we actually find out what happened to Betty about the captivity. And she's like, well, let's talk about your, you know, let's talk about it. And then Betty instantly changed the subject to, well, I think about where he is and who he could be hurting because he got away. Okay, Betty. So, okay, Betty's deflecting. And then her phone rings. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I usually have it on silent. And it's Archie. Okay. She's and we just, hear the, the theme in the background. Yeah, we hear the... Da, 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 <laughs> which is fine. Cool. Which is a cute touch. Cut to... Uh, she's back at her office. And she's telling Glenn, she, I have to go home for a few days. And he's like, okay, cool. You can pack up the satellite FBI office that you and your serial killer brother were running. And she's like, okay, cool. I'll pack up the office. She flinches hard at that. He says it very flippantly. Uh-huh. Like, like, while you're there, you can work. I guess I'll let you lurk. But also, like, let's not forget you have a serial killer brother. And the magic of Lily Reinhardt being like, okay, mm, I'm not going to comment on that. But then she's like, okay, well, you get to take care of my cat, Toffee. Let's not forget the cat that got murdered when she was a child was named Caramel. Okay. I didn't even catch that. Nope. That's okay. amazing. And so he says, okay, but I'll need a key. And then they kiss. So she's fucking her boss. <sighs> and everybody, a lot of people online, because I do read some stuff online occasionally, because I, I watch the episode. I'm like, okay, what are people saying? Because it's fun. It's fun to see what other people's opinions are. Oh, he's TPK. It's too easy for him to be TPK. That's fair. I don't think so. He's definitely a bad dude. And I will not be surprised if he ends up dead by TPK. Oh, yeah. But he's not clean cut dude. I'm going to put him more in territory of Joe Goldberg from the TV series You on Netflix. Stalker dude. So it's interesting. As we talked about it, like at first I was like, oh, this guy's bad news. Now as we talk about it, and we see that Betty's life is a mess. Uh-huh. It's it's not it's not a giant pile of garbage, but she's definitely struggling to kind of juggle everything outside of this one singular focus. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of the main character from Homeland, where it's like she has this relationship with a guy mm-hmm. really only because she needs a release. Sure. Like she's not sleeping around with Glenn. Because she's actually interested in him as a human being. No, I, I, that's fine. But he is, I'm going to put him in like, he's a bad dude. I mean, he's a bad dude because he's her superior and he's having a relationship with her and that's inappropriate. So yes. automatically you're a bad dude. Yeah. Sorry. And she's in training. And she's in training. She's a traumatized woman. Fuck you. Yes, absolutely. Um, that is predatory behavior. So you're a bad dude. But I'm, this is, this is how Betty can't have a normal boyfriend, so this is what's going to happen. No. No. This is this is how it's going to work. Put him in the bucket labeled suspicious. Suspicious. <laughs> so that's why I say I'm putting him in Joe Goldberg territory, which is creepy stalker man. That's who he's going to be to me. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I, like, think, I think he's just nasty, dude. Well, he's going to end up dead, so whatever. <laughs> okay. Now it's Veronica's time, and Veronica has ended up both Hiram and her mother hybrid and also in uncut gems. She's in the Upper East Side. So um, we see she's having an anniversary with her husband, Chadwick. (laughs) God, gross. He's Uh, so gross. He's so gross, but like exactly who you'd expect Veronica to marry. He's he's the exact schmuck she was going to (laughs) marry. Um, he's lamenting that they don't have any kids, but this could be the year. Oh my god! And like you know, I, you know, I think it's time that we you start cutting back on your hours at Lacey's, which is a reference to Katie Keene. Ah! Every time she said they're talking about Katie, they're talking about Katie Keene. Okay. okay. Lacey's is where she worked. 
I never watched Katie Keene. I just know about a bunch of stuff. I, my understanding is that's the department store where she designed clothes and yeah, whatnot. Lacey's Macy's. That, that was my immediate thing. Sure. And Veronica's like, yeah, you know, I miss being on the trading floor with you. I, You know, they called me the she-wolf of Wall Street. Okay, cool. So, like, so Veronica was a trader. Part of me wants to see that flashback. No, the only flashback we're getting is the accident they talk about later. Yes, I know. Which I'm fine with. So later, we see her at Gilmore Jewelers. And then she, eventually this is Uncut Gems. She's a hustler. She is convincing one guy, oh, no, no, you've done bad. You've got to go big and do the big jewelry for your girl. You fucked up. And then this other guy comes and is like, hey, Veronica, that tip you gave me made my portfolio go through the roof. And she's like, see, don't I know it? Like, she's a hustler. That's what she is. She always has been. She, I mean, she was raised by two hustlers. Yes. Hermione and Hiram. She's the, she's the combination of the two. This is honestly one of the more awesome, empowering Veronica moments. Like This, this was fun to see. I loved watching her get to like fully embrace this. Because they, they, they almost always reined that back in during the high school years. And no, she, no, the problem is in high school, she thought she was this, but she wasn't. That's true. She did not have any of these skills. And she was playing against these big league guys. And she thought she was hot shit. It's like, no, you're fucking not. You're a child. Now she finally gets to be full now, dark, no stars. Yeah. Now she's 25 years old. She's proven herself. She has the experience that's different. I love it. I love it. Yes. Now it makes sense. You get to have, you have the goods to back some of this shit up. So she gets a phone call. It's her husband. He's like, where are you? She goes, oh, you know, I'm just working really hard with Katie. He goes, oh, that's funny because I'm standing right next to Katie. And she is telling me, you don't work here. Uh Uh-oh. So we cut to them at home. He's yelling at her. He's like, you've been lying to me. (laughs) What happened to Lacey's? And she's like, "Um, I needed something with more edge. (laughs) Which totally makes sense. Just the way that they talked about it. This is not anything. It's just the lines. Yeah. But it's the fact that they're so like blunt about, I just needed something with more edge. I'm like, what? 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 Who says words like are, this? Are you actual mobsters now? What the fuck? No, or are you on cocaine? Exactly. <laughs> is this the 80s? What's happening? <laughs> so like she's talking about that. It just, again, like the, the, I don't love the way this is written, but it's funny. It's she, awkward, but it's fun. It's awkward. And so they talk about like, you know, remember we were a power couple and our sex was amazing. And then what happened? Oh, the accident. Like, it's <gasps> like you use the accident as this excuse. It's like you almost died. We both did. And then you, you told me I had to quit trading because it was too stressful. And I agreed, but that was a mistake. And so like, I need to, I, I was like, I can't, I can't do that. And so like, it's not who I am anymore. It's not who I was. Veronica likes the power and likes the game. She likes the game. She likes the hustle. That's fair. So like, so clearly we find out like something happened. They both almost died. I'm guessing based on the conversation with the whole like having kids things, I bet you she found out she can't have kids and she's, she's kept that from them because she decided she figured out, I don't want to have kids. I don't have, or I don't want to have kids with you, but I like my life. So I'm will I'm just gonna keep putting it off and putting it off and pretending it's not a, a non it's a non issue. That's that's an easy storyline to go for. Don't know if they'll be smart enough to pick that one up, but you know. Well, because because if quote okay here's how that works because we can still have you know Betty and Archie you know be together at some point, but then we can bring Archie and Veronica back together and then they can have a miracle baby. 
Oh my god. Go so that fucking works. Uh, or Archie will have some love child with someone and that child will have red hair because of course and then veronica will be like i'll raise them as my own what about reggie and veronica yeah we'll get there mm, that won't happen <sighs> i mean i see them having sex again but i don't see them they're not gonna end up together anyways so then we have the one my favorite thing from this entire fucking episode and oh my god this was the one thing i wanted i spoke it into existence yes all of you have me to thank for this <laughs> I willed this into existence. This is all me. Congratulations. I know. I'm so proud of me. I should will more things, better things into existence. I'm sorry. Hermione. Hermione does her Bravo Real Housewife introduction. And it is. From small town to big city, my killer instinct always gets me what I want. (laughs) When I saw this happening, my face melted. I was so happy. I was like, they did it. They did the one thing they needed in life. And Marisol Nichols nails it. She nailed it. I was so happy. <laughs> and so Veronica's there to watch. And so they're chatting. And she's like, oh, Andy wants to know when you're going to do some filming. And Veronica says, I can't film while my life is in turmoil. <laughs> and so even Hermione doesn't realize what's going on with Veronica. She's like, you know, your marriage is great. Your life is awesome. You, your husband gives you everything you want. You don't have to work if you don't want to. And Veronica's like, I want to work. I want to be the she-wolf of Wall Street. And I don't want to be a mom right now. She's just like, I love working. And that's the problem. <laughs> and so Hermione, you know, she's like, okay, so when you and Chad worked together, didn't you outperform him? And Veronica's like, yeah, pretty much every week. And she's like, yeah, Chad's vain, like Hiram. That's a problem. That's threatening. And... You know, like, didn't the accident show you that you don't have all the time in the world to do whatever it is you want? And Veronica's like, mm, maybe. <laughs> okay, mom, maybe you're right. Yeah, mom. I do like that she was she was like, you make this look so easy. She's like, compared to every bo- all the other bullshit I've done, this is easy, Mia. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. And so then this... This is, gr- so this, icky. this is great. I loved this. It's I really, very good, though. I really did. So we cut back to home. And there's this big bouquet of flowers and Veronica is like, oh, okay, great. And so Chadwick comes in, gives her a bag. Uh, and he's just like, you know, when our helicopter went down on the way to Marsha's Vineyard. Okay. Okay. So they were in a helicopter accident, which I'm calling it now. Someone put a hit out on them. <laughs> some, some, someone caused their helicopter to go down. Hire much. I'm not going to say Hiram. Well, Hiram. Mm. Okay. If it was Hiram Lodge, he didn't know Veronica was going to be in the helicopter. Fair. It was just to get rid of Chadwick. That's what I'm guessing. Because I don't think Hiram would try to kill his daughter. I don't know. No, that's what I'm going to guess. So that, or it was someone, it was someone was trying to kill Chadwick. That was the point. Or Hermosa. Hermosa. Well, we don't know what's happened to Hermosa. I'd be fine with that. But whoever, the target was Chadwick. I just... When they said accident, yeah, I was thinking car accident, car accident, um, car accident. or some weird thing happening, but that seems like a normal thing. And instead, helicopter crashed off of Marsha's Vineyard, which makes sense. But my God, was it so abruptly weird in the moment. So my first thought was car accident too, because it's, you know, obvious. But then in the last scene, when they mentioned you made me quit the job because it was too stressful on the floor, 
I thought something happened in the office. Also like, possible. Like workplace violence. Yeah. Because that would also make sense of like, no, no, no. you It's too traumatic being here in the office and doing this job because but, of the accident that happened here. But instead a wild ass soap opera helicopter crash. And so he gives a speech about like when it was going down, I was hoping that I would die and you would live, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Ew. But he's like, okay, you have to open this present. And he gives her a Glamourge egg. He's like, they put out a new one every year so you can start collecting. And Veronica is horrified. Because that's that's what Hiram would give her mom. Her and, face is priceless. Which is, I love this. I, I truly ate this up because the last thing Veronica wants to be is her parents. Yeah. But, but she is. She is. And so, like, this to her is like, uh-uh. No, no, nope, nope. This is this is the death nail in my life. No, thank you. So the next day she's at work. She's selling. She's like, oh, I can tell you are a woman of exquisite taste. And let me just say, they have Veronica dressed in the over-the-top tackiest way. I mean, like, no, this is horrible. But it fits it's, the vibe of what they're doing. It's the vibe of what of the job she's doing. Yeah. I'm not saying in a bad way, but I was like, this is not stylish at all. And the lady that she is talking to is the gaudiest fucking. I mean, it's shit the point. On. It's the point. It's it's a it's a very specific choice. <laughs> and she's like, we don't usually deal with things that are are this exclusive, but we just got this in, and it's the same egg. So she sells the egg to this woman. She wants this as far away from her as possible. I love the fact that she's like. I know a guy. And it was like, oh, shit. I know a guy. And then as they're, she's like, oh, yes, I want this. She gets a call from Archie. Cut to <laughs> Alphabet City, New York. Oh, my God. This is great. And, you know. You got everything you wanted. <laughs> I was so fucking right about this, too. Oh, Jughead. <laughs> Jughead is writing it. He's, he's pounding away at his typewriter. This is the typewriter that Betty got him. Oh, wow. That is the same typewriter. Yeah. It's the one she got him. That's good. He writes. He rages. His girlfriend, Jessica, comes and is like, come on, Jones. And he calls, who we find out later, his agent, Sam Pansky, (laughs) to meet him. And so he's like, I've got writer's block. She's like, so do I. So she's a writer, too. And he's like, okay, I got I to gotta go. Like, we can talk later after I talk to my agent. He just refuses to acknowledge her existence. Like... Yeah, like clearly nothing is more important than this meeting now. So we cut to the park. They're having a hot dog. And this is the place he likes to eat at. Is <laughs> <laughs> the park. This is great. The this is the hot dog stand, which is, I love it. It's he needs amazing. pops back in his life so bad. He, he, that makes sense. <laughs> so true. So he's talking to his agent. He's like, hey, did you find out about that new New Yorker staff job? Did I get it? No. You should be like, no, you shouldn't be applying for jobs like this. You should be working on your novel. You're not How- a reporter. No, you're a fiction <laughs> writer. How's your book coming? And Jugs is like, I've got writer's block. No, you've got a lousy work ethic, a toxic relationship, and you drink too much. <laughs> I love that an adult, an adult to your adult, because Jughead is an adult now. He's 25. Is just like, no, you have a horrible work ethic, which was not really something we saw in Jughead. He he did lack some motivation. I will say he did lack some motivation. Yeah. But I would never say he didn't have a work ethic. I So the, here's the thing. First of all, agents will always pull this bullshit. I mean, in he, that role. He's not delivering pages. Yeah, and he's not completely wrong, but I will also say having been a person who has been in the midst of writing and then felt like I couldn't write, mm-hmm. sometimes it is completely out of an emotional just tap being dry they're just in a hole yeah 
Well, that's fine. But and, the, and your but, agent's job is not to figure out how to get you out of that hole. Actually, sometimes it is. That's true. Depending on how your agent is working with you. This guy's... No, that's not no. his job. No. That's not this agent's job. Some agents, you know, because sometimes, I mean, if he has enough clients, he doesn't need to do that. Some agents need their clients to get out of the hole because otherwise the agents don't get paid. That's true. So it's in their best interest to shake the tree. Anyway, this anyway, is not good. So Jughead says, you know, so did Kerouac and Hemingway and Fitzgerald. And the agent says, you know, you've lost your heat. You're spoiled goods. Everything you had coming off your last book, I could have gotten you any job, but that's gone. So, you know, Scrivener's talking about taking back their advance. Uh-oh. Because they want to see pages. So Jughead looks real scared. Yeah, because they can do that. And it's just like, so do you wanna do you wanna have a career or do you wanna be a one-hit wonder? And that devastates Jughead. He can't say anything. And the agent that looks at him was like, I can't hear you. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh, consequences for Jughead. Yeah. So Jughead goes back to his apartment and on the door is an eviction notice. So he comes in. He's like, did you see this? And Jess is leaving. She's like, um, debt collectors were pounding on the door when you left. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, great. She's like, I'm leaving. It's like, because you care about your book more than anything else. Uh-huh. Which is true. I mean, from this two seconds, of course, that's true. So later, Jug's drinking at a bar. Okay. Of course he is. Girl comes in with his book. This is chatting him up she's like oh i go to nyu english major of course which this is actually where cole sprouse graduated from he graduated from nyu okay fine. so did camilla so that's cute and his book is the outcast like which is an obvious homage to essie hinton's the outsider barf barf and cora she's like oh you know i really loved the love story between the viper leader and the homecoming queen she's like <laughs> He's like, oh, you thought it was romantic. And she's like, no, I thought it was sexy. It's a very sexy book. So clearly Cole, I keep saying Cole. <laughs> so clearly Jug wrote about Riverdale. Yeah. And he wrote about Tony and Cheryl. Oh, well, I mean, maybe I was thinking Jughead and Betty. Viper leader. And well, I, I took Viper leader as Tony. No, I took Viper leader as Jughead. Well, I, you know, that's true. Yeah. No, that is true. But, you know, I, I heard Viper Leader as Tony and Homecoming Queen as Cheryl. Both could be true. But you know what? That's cool. You know what? It has layers. It does. There's options. Anyways, sexy book. They go back to his apartment. They have sex. Great. Sloppy Jug- making out. Jughead has a chest tattoo. I can't make it out, but he has a tattoo on his chest. Who the fuck knows, man? Man, whatever. He's a fucking mess. So the next morning, he's cleaning up. She comes out. She's wearing an S shirt. And she's very, very clearly made to look like Betty. That's what this was. And he's just like, what? Where did you get that? I found it in your your dresser. Is that okay? And he goes, yeah, it's fine. But he's clearly weirded out by it. It's not a big deal. Oh, it very much is a big deal for you, Jug. He has not seen or worn that shirt in a long ass time. Uh So that, which is funny because it's like, you had like 12 of these. (laughs) So the girl, Cora, is walking around the room and she sees like this article that has a picture of him. She's like, oh, I remember this. He's like, oh, yeah, we're the new Brat Pack, you know, a bunch of new writers. And she's like, yeah, I've read this a hundred times. I had it memorized. That's how I knew this was your bar. I actually followed you because I had an ulterior motive. And this is like, wait, what? He got played so hard. She's like, um, I wanted you to read my manuscript. It's only 342 pages. I thought if you liked it, you could give it to your agent. <laughs> He's so weirded out. But like, of course you got fucking played, dude. You fucking loser. This man, man, I love it. It's very good. So just then 
debt collectors start pounding on the door and he's like, okay, tell them I'm not here and I'll read your book. It's okay. So he hides. She tells the debt collectors he went to LA for a writing gig for a TV show. It's like, so they, they give her their card and say bye. And she's like, okay, I expect to hear from you in a week. And if I don't hear from you, I know who to call. So she's going to call the debt collectors if Jughead doesn't, <laughs> doesn't tell her what she thinks of the books. Please have her come back. This is so fun. This is, this is, no, the, this is going to happen. Like, this is going to continue for sure. I believe it. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know for sure. I haven't looked into this anymore, but I'm like, this is a great complication for Jughead to make his life more messy. And this girl showing up, because you know she's going to keep that shirt. She's going to show up in Riverdale wearing that fucking shirt in front of Betty. It's going to be fucking hilarious. Betty's going to beat the shit out of her. No. Betty's just going to be like... Because <laughs> those two standing next to each other would look a lot alike. It would be very And her wearing the S shirt is going to be like, okay. Yeah. Anyways, so Jughead sits down to read The Rules of Distraction by Cora Carter. Cora Carter. <laughs> and he gets a phone call from Archie Andrews. I just thought it very interesting... The two girls have him in their phone as Archie. Jughead has him as Archie Andrews. I don't know why that's important, but it's something I noticed. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he knows another Archie now, mm-hmm. so he just wants to make sure. So we cut back to Archie talking to Tony at the White Worm. It's the same night from the very first scene. And we find out that Tony got her degree in social services. She already had a job lined up when she graduated, but then it all got shut down. So now she's the new Mrs. Burble at Riverdale High. Okay. Kevin is the drama teacher, which we already kind of knew was going to happen based on his, the flash forward stuff from Katie Keene. He graduated from Carnegie Mellon. And they stayed boyfriends with Fangs, who graduated from the University of Pittsburgh. That's no shade, Fangs. Pitt's like near Ivy level good. That's great. Yeah. I I mean, I just, I mean, where are you going there? Because it's next to Carnegie Mellon. (laughs) (laughs) That scene still makes me feel so good. They're Um, so adorable. And they live in an apartment together on Cloverfield Lane. With Tony. With Tony. That's very cute. Um, What about Sweepy? And Sweet Pea's there. He says, like, you know, I just basically kept the serpents together while they were gone. Yep. And now he's a trucker. And Archie's like, yeah, what's the deal with the truckers? It's like, oh, Tony had the hookup. That's what serpents do now to keep making meat. It's good money. Okay, great. Cool. And, and so Archie's like, where's Cheryl? And Kevin just kind of, like, shakes his head. <laughs> Sweet Pea takes a drink. Is like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, no, we got to do this. Which, at this point, I had completely forgotten about Cheryl. <laughs> Like, honestly, in the episode, I was like, Cheryl doesn't exist anymore. I don't care. Uh, No, she does. I know. But at this point, I didn't think we would get to Cheryl in this episode. That's fair. Because this is a lot of information. And it still is. Tony's like, no, no, y'all, it's fine. You know, we broke up after graduation. And when I got back from Highsmith, I went to go visit her. So she goes to Thornhill. And Cheryl's painting, which Cheryl did do art previously. Uh, Yeah. There's like one scene where she was doing art. So this isn't completely out of the blue. So Cheryl's painting. But now it's her thing. And Tony's like, Cheryl, are you okay? Well, yes. And Cheryl's wearing this like matronly black sparkly gown. Okay. And it's like, okay. She's very fake. And she's renovating Thornhill Mansion. And Nana Rose is like in this red gown, but also a veil. And it's very weird. And Cheryl, like, as soon as she leaves, her face goes from this sort of fake, everything is fine to, God. So just, uh... So sad. Just sullen. Just very sullen. Uh Uh-huh. So 
Archie's like, well, did you ever go back? And Tony's like, yeah, not too long ago. I, I went back and I wasn't the only one there. And she's like, Hiram was there with Reggie, his henchman. Like, wait, what? This is my favorite thing ever. I'm so happy that Reggie is a Hiram henchman. Reggie was always supposed to be kind of a villain at oh, some point. Reggie has always been a villain he in the comic book. Yeah, in the comics. And the comic, always. This to- I'm totally fine with this. It would totally make sense. I kind of hate it, but it also makes sense for Reggie. If he stayed in Riverdale and he went to community college and he wasn't able and he didn't find another job, Reggie's always going to take the easy way out of everything. We've seen that from Reggie. So if Hiram is offering him easy job, muscle, money, Reggie's going to take it. That's especially if I could see Reggie also having flunked out of community college. There's there's a lot there, but I just... Reggie has so much potential. <laughs> even if even if it's a short period of time and he winds up turning back and going full face turn mm-hmm. again, for him to be villain Reggie for a little while is so good. I I much rather Reggie be a Hiram henchman than this Archie henchman bullshit that we ever entertained for in high school. Yes. I mean Reggie makes full sense. Yep. I'm I'm here for it. So Hiram is offering to buy the maple groves and Cheryl's like, I plan to be buried in them to which Hiram goes, we can make that happen. <laughs> so, they, so they leave and Cheryl's explains to Tony what's going on. And Cheryl is wearing a dress that Penelope has previously worn or very similar to it. It's a yes. red lace gown. And Cheryl's like, I'm so glad you're here. Let me paint you to which Tony's like, okay. Uh, so then she's uh? Okay. So this is a very weird thing. And so Tony's posed, you know, cradling her belly. And Tony's like, you know, Cheryl, no one's seen you in town in years. And Cheryl's like, nah, don't worry about it. But I know everything that's happened. And so she rattles off, you know, her GPA, where she graduated from, what she's been up to. And Tony's like, yeah, except, you know, like, I'm pregnant. And Cheryl's like, yes, I know. But I won't be gauche and ask who the father is. (laughs) So like, okay. And Tony says, also, I want you to know that I'm completely out and open to my family, and they fully recognize everything you've done to make up for your family's sins, and I think they'd be okay if we were together. So I feel like this really kind of washes over a lot of things, but a lot can happen in seven years. It's been seven years. A lot can happen in seven years, so I'm going to kind of call this a wash on on this part of Cheryl's character. I appreciate that it came from Tony's family. Yes. We're being told by the audience that Tony's family, who are some of the people who have been wronged by Cheryl's family, that they recognize everything you've done to try to make up for your family's sins. And to their, Tony's completely out to their family. And Tony feels like they would be fine if they were together, which I'm kind of like, Tony, come on. Didn't you move on at least a little bit from this? But OK, <sighs> but OK. I, I can see, you know, Tony's clearly seen Cheryl trying to improve things and working hard. And that's admirable. Okay, cool. And maybe it's one of those things where she's like, I always wanted to see if she wanted one more chance. Sure. Okay, great. Cool. Like I need, I need to, we need to like actually officially close this door. Yes. Cool. Okay. I can buy that. And then Cheryl just says, you know, that's great, but I'm doomed to live a life of unhappiness to which Tony's like, yeah, you think you're cursed. Do you know about the Winchester family? Which I think I'm like, this is ridiculous, but I'm here for this. And Cheryl goes on to explain about the Winchester house and the Winchester family. So yeah. the, they're rifle makers. 
And basically, the entire family died at the hands of their own rifles in weird, unusual ways. And Sarah Winchester was the only one who lived because she believed if she kept the house, the Winchester house, under constant construction, the curse couldn't consume her. Winchester house is an actual real thing that is bizarre and weird and has eight bajillion rooms and doors. And it's bizarre. But she, she kept it purposefully unresolved so that she would never have to face down that curse. She just always had that belief. And so Tony's like, so that's why you keep running, keep you're continuing to renovate Thornhill. And Cheryl just kind of like, doesn't nod, but doesn't say no. It's kind of like, it's very much like, well, no shit. I don't hate this. I don't hate, I, I don't hate Cheryl seeing that as, well, clearly my work will never be done. I will never fully absolve my family from this. I'm cursed. Because clearly I'm the only one. But here's the thing. She's not the only one. Nana's there. Yeah. It, it, she's she's self-victimizing. She, she very much is. She's self-victimizing. And... But what I what I like about the story is she never gives the impression that she, like, thinks somehow she is just like Sarah Winchester. No. Or that she has that sort of supernatural belief. She identifies with it. She's just like, as long as I continue to do this work... Uh-huh. I never have to feel like the ghost of and the weight of all of that mm-hmm. is hanging over me because it is too much for me to try to bear. I feel like this is giving this this some is something that gives her purpose. And she needs something to she hold d- on to. She right does now. need purpose. And I think she's scared that if she gets back into a relationship with Tony, that somehow that's going to bring all that back. Well, Tony will be taken away from her, probably. But also, like we don't like we don't know where her mom is. We don't nope. know what's going on with mom. So we don't know if Penelope's still in jail or Penelope's out doing bad stuff, or maybe Penelope's dead. Maybe Penelope's hiding in the walls. And also, there's also still the Blossom grandchildren, Juniper and Dagwood. We don't know where they are. Yep. So she's not really alone. Yeah, but she feels alone. She feels for alone, sure, which is totally fair. Yeah. So. Tony tells the group, you know, she painted me for 12 hours and then I left. And then she sent this painting to me and we see the painting on the wall of the white worm. And Archie's like, she didn't want to keep it as like a memento of the t- of what y'all shared. Tony's like, no. She's like, no. And it's a beautiful painting. I guess she didn't want it anymore. Yeah. So we cut back to Thornhill. And Nana Rose is inspecting the exact same painting. It's a duplicate, a perfect copy. Now, Cheryl... I wonder if you could do the work of a master, maybe a Rembrandt. And Cheryl is just standing behind her, almost crying. So, okay, so Cheryl's going to be an art forger, which, okay, a little spoilery, but I already knew about the casting that they were looking for an art critic so- uh, of someone. So, like, okay, so that's going to come into play. But, I mean, like, okay, so why would you be doing art forgeries? Are need- y'all running out of money? Yeah. They need oh, the money. They need the money. That That's the easiest explanation. <sighs> it's such a high-end crime. I'm here for it. But also, what's so telling is just that look of abject sadness on her face. She's so detached. She's detached because it's two things. She's clearly still in love with Tony. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely a part of it. And it, this painting, she adores it because mm. she loves this person yeah but then also she is now thrust right back into this horrible curse of a family <laughs> well a dishonest family she can't get out of it no well here's the thing am i gonna have to kill nana rose i thought nana rose loved me nana rose took care of me but now nana rose is also putting me to 
to doing this. So, yeah. Like, it's not good. There's a lot going on. And I'm like, okay. There's some missing pieces there, which it'll it'll be interesting to learn more about. But I'm just like, okay, goddammit. Are y'all figuring out Cheryl? Mm, No, probably not. But, you know, hey. So we go back to the White Worm and Archie starts asking Tony about the town. He's like, you know, when I came in, it's different. And Tony's like, yeah, it's really changed. And she's like, you know, where are you staying? He's like. Oh, I, I'm staying at the El Royale since mom's renting out the house. And Tony goes, oh, yeah, the renters. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'll take you around tomorrow. And he's like, okay. And he's like, do you mind if I stay and make a few calls? She's like, yeah, sure. And so that's when he starts making the phone calls that we see pop up in the previous scenes. Yep. So the next day, Tony shows up at the El Royale and it's a mess. Clearly, people have been squatting there. Or worse. Or worse. And so Archie's like, I thought a steel gate would be a mess, but it's like a war zone in here. (laughs) He thought, okay, look, I figured if I locked it up secured, nothing had happened. But holy crap. Well, here's my other thing is like, why didn't you ask Tom Keller to keep an eye on it? Like you you literally talked to no one over seven years over this piece of property that you own. (sighs) I don't. I know. But also when he or your, left, or your mom. So yeah, but also when he left Riverdale, it was he left in two seconds. I know, but also you have a mom who's a lawyer. Why didn't you sell the property? Why didn't you talk to Tom Keller, who was running the gym before he got reinstated an emergency like two days before you left? Like because Riverdale wasn't that much of a mess. Okay, but it didn't turn into that mess that quickly in seven years without y'all having a conversation about this piece of property that you own. You don't forget about that in seven years and nobody else who's in your life says nothing. But Archie was at war. I know. <laughs> like, this is a logistical thing that bugs me. It, it's it's annoying as fuck, but I do think it's just like Archie didn't think about it. So they go to the firehouse and it's all boarded up. And Tony says, you know, Hiram Lodge stripped the town of all funding. And the sheriff department is down to one dude, Kevin's dad. So Tom Keller is still a sheriff. Okay. I'm here for that. I want, can't wait to find out who that deputy is. I'm still hanging out. I'm, well, there is no deputy right now. Well, true. but There will know. be, well, but there isn't one right now. I know. It's so funny. And she says, you know, the town is lawless. They go to Pickens Park, which is creepy as fuck. And he's like, you know, why, why are people still here? Tony says, you know, people who could afford to leave did, and everyone that's left is either too poor or too proud to leave. He steps on a doll that squeaks, and I'm like, it's the walking Riverdale. It's so creepy. <laughs> you know, then they walk down Sketch Alley, what, let's call it what it is, Skid Row. And there's packs of dog roam around all the time. <laughs> packs of dogs was the thing that got me. I was like, what? <laughs> Which also, I then went, Vegas. Where is Vegas? Vegas is with mom. Okay. Nothing bad will happen in Vegas. Please. Or no. I riot. The only other thing I could think of is like we go full Walking Dead category and yeah. Vegas is one of the dogs that's been around. But Vegas is <laughs> like, but Vegas is okay and there and he protects Archie. <laughs> then we see we're on a stretch of highway and it's Tony's motorcycle with Archie and they stop. And he's like, that's the fifth bus stop that we've seen trashed. And she's like, <laughs> Burn. It's like, where are people going to sit and wait for the bus? <laughs> <laughs> Big dumb Archie. And Tony's like, buses don't stop here anymore. They don't pass by. And the trucks that we run, they don't pass by unless they have to. And they certainly don't do at night because bad stuff happens at night. They call this the lonely highway. <laughs> and and Archie's like, let me guess. It's Hiram Lodge. And she's like, yeah. And like, let me show you what he's doing. So they go to this sign that says, coming soon, Sodale. Sodale! It's like, 
was like, okay, where are the houses? You go, this isn't Sodale. This is where he's building the turnpike that leads to Sodale. <laughs> he's like, and let me guess, the kids will go to Sodale High. She's like, no, they're going to go to Stonewall Prep where Hiram Lodge bought himself a seat on the board. I like that we're keeping Stonewall Prep in the mix. That makes sense. That's cute. We didn't lose that. Fucking hilarious. I mean, it's a way to bring Donna Sweet back again, too. Oh, my God. She'll be a teacher at Stonewall Prep. I'm here for that. Oh, bring her back to be a, a teacher at Riverdale because she can't get hired at Stonewall or something like that. Oh, my God. And basically, yeah, so he's bleeding Riverdale dry. And she's like, okay, I have one more place to show you, but you need to prepare yourself, Archie. And he's like, okay. This line. And I, I knew this was coming. I knew this was what it was going to be. And we go to the house. We go to Archie's house and it's graffitied and trashed. And she's like, the ghoulies moved into my house. <laughs> she's, she's like, yeah, do you want to go bust some heads? And he's like, yeah, I do. But can we go back to Pops and see if any of them came? And she's like, yeah. The, the ghoulies moved into my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they head on over to Pops. And we walk in, and Pops is there, so he's not dead. (laughs) And Archie just says, you know, I missed you, Pops. Pops like, I missed you. I missed all of you. And he looks over, and we see the the other three are in in the booth. And Jug is just, like, all slumped down. He looks very hungover. (laughs) He's not happy to be here. And Archie and Tony walk over there, and he's like, hey, y'all. And Tony's about to leave, and Archie says, no, you're just as much part of this as anyone. And... Then Tony sits in the booth. I like it. Which mm. is, y'all, Riverdale is a hellscape. And I know I called y'all back here for Pop's retirement, but we have to save Riverdale. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're all kind of like, mm. <laughs> cool, whatever. The most telling moment is we look at Betty and Jughead and Betty's like, I'm happy to see you guys. And then looks at Jughead and Jughead's like, I refuse to look at you. Because he's just complete in shame. Like, he cannot... He's clearly hungover and he doesn't want to be there, but he's fucked because he has to read this fucking book for this bitch who conned him. And also, he's like, I'm next to the woman that I really... We still don't... Again, we really don't know what any of their dynamics are because we haven't learned what their communication has been. Like, they have each other's phone numbers, but we don't know what their communication has been over the years. Yeah, I know. It's just the look... And then the look that Betty gives him of, like... Fine. So, like, Veronica got married, but were any of them invited? Do any of them know her husband? Do any of them know what happened to Betty? We don't have any of that context. Yeah. We genuinely don't know. And we literally saw them at the table for, like, two seconds. So we don't know if this is the first time they've seen each other in literally. I mean, for Jughead, we know that he wouldn't see his friends again for six more years. Yeah. So Jughead hasn't seen them, but we don't know if they've had no contact. Yeah, I don't know. So we don't really know what the dynamic is. So a lot of people really hate this moment with Tony. Okay. Because they don't feel like it's earned. And a lot of people are referencing the fact that if Vanessa Morgan hadn't thrown a fit, she wouldn't have gotten this episode. Which, you know what? It's probably true. Because fuck you, RAS. I'm just going to say that. I'm not not shitting on Vanessa Morgan. I'm not at all. But you know what? You were wonderful. And here's the other thing. To me, it makes perfect sense... That one of these characters didn't have to be Tony. It could have been Kevin. could have been Fangs. I'm glad it's Tony because Vanessa Morgan's a fabulous actress. Was there to say, hey, Archie, I know you. We never had any beef, but we know each other. And I stayed here the whole time and you left. Let me show you what's been going on in town because I know this information. That makes complete sense. I don't have any problem with that. But the you're just a part of this as anybody, is bullshit. That's very true. And I agree with that. 
how that should have worked, if they wanted to make it more organic, I believe Archie would have never let her leave. I agree with that. But how that should have worked in a better, more organic way for the show to fully sell that Tony is fully a part of the main part of the cast. They came back to Pops and they don't see any of them. So Archie and Tony sit down and they're talking and then we see one of them come out of the bathroom and they're there and they sit down. They sit down and they're all there and Tony's just a part of the group. Tony's not leaving. That's fair. But Tony's already there. So there's never a question. It's never even a possibility that Tony would not be a part of that conversation because her saying she's going to leave is her saying, I'm not a part of the group. And somebody else, a white dude saying, no, you get to stay. <laughs> fuck that bullshit. That's where I say fuck that bullshit. Oh, the Archie savior complex. Well, Archie's always going to have an Archie savior complex. That's never not going to be a part of it. That's his character. That's his, that's his character. Right, wrong, or indifferent. But that would have made it be organic to the situation. God, I wish the show was smart enough to do that, but no, they aren't. No. No. <laughs> They're Beca- not. No, at because all. because I mean, I completely agree that it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Yeah, you're you're right. Like I I enjoy it just in the okay, cool. Yay, Tony's part of the crew, but not thinking critically about the whole thing of like that. No, she wouldn't. Not established. And she has no relationship with any she had a little bit of relationship with Jughead for like a tiny bit when he was a serpent, but that's it. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't hold water at all. So as they're talking, we see this blonde chick come in and get some food from who again, who hasn't been named in the show, but we know to be Tabitha Tate. And she gets a, a bag of food and she's like, okay, squeaky, I'm going to miss you. She's like, yeah, I'm done with Riverdale. And she leaves and we get Jughead narration. Ooh, ooh. And this girl leaves and Pops looks at Tabitha and just gives a very concerned look. Like, oh, no. no. Not another one. No, not another one. Oh, no. I don't think she's going to be okay. Like, this is a bad idea. We see Squeaky hitchhiking. Her name is Lynette Fields. Now, Squeaky, this is clearly Squeaky Fromm. Squeaky Fromm's real name. I looked this up. Is Lynette Alice. This is a direct correlation. Of course it is. Squeaky Fromm was a member of the Manson crew. Uh Uh-huh. She came to Riverdale two years ago for a fresh start, but she just turned 21 and it was time to go. And so we see her. She's hitchhiking and a, a truck with a skeleton tied to the front stops and she gets in. And this is the truck that has been used in some promotional images that both the CW Riverdale Instagram and RIS have been posting all summer. So we knew this was coming. And this is the reference to the Lonely hi- Highway, which I really still don't know what that means. And Jughead says she would never make it to California. Riverdale. So we now know. Okay, so this is part of the mystery. This is going to be the girl who goes missing. This is going to be part of what Jughead sticks around for. (laughs) And so now we're going to murder a truck driver. Okay, this truck. My God. (laughs) Who would get in this fucking truck? Squeaky. Oh, squeaky. Squeaky. Or sneaky. It's sneaky. Because it was squeaky from. This is sneaky. Oh, I could have sworn they said squeaky. Because it was squeaky from, right? Yeah, Lynette squeaky from. Yeah, the girl in the sh- show is sneaky. We keep saying squeaky because we know squeaky from and sneaky sounds stupid because it is. But this is Riverdale, so it's sneaky. Yeah, well. 
Also, if you put a character named Squeaky in it, it's highly disrespectful. Because Squeaky Fromm's horrible. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, and this girl in this show is clearly wearing a wig. So, like, there's a whole thing going on. <sighs> there's... Like, I don't even know what's going on. It's very Laura Palmer slash mm-hmm. dumb trucker death movie. But a little th- bit of Jeeper Screepers. Yeah, but like this is going to be our thing that is going to cause Jughead's going to have to investigate. Betty's going to have to investigate. Oh, I'm going to have to keep the FBI office open. Betty's going to have to investigate. Jughead's going to have to write. Mm, of course. And Veronica's just going to stick around because she doesn't want to be around her husband. <laughs> yeah. Well, and judging by some of the bios we've talked about. And she's going to have to fight her dad again, which, oh, God. <laughs> And yeah, they're all going to be teachers at Riverdale. So, meh. which Jughead just needs a job. So yeah, which I'm looking forward to what they're each going to teach. <laughs> I mean, Jughead's going to have, they're going to, he's going to need to teach English, but I wonder what he's going to get stuck teaching. <laughs> Please give him PE as well. <laughs> no, that's Archie. No, but like he has to teach English, but also PE because there's no money. So you have to double up what you're teaching. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it works. He works as a lunch lady. He's the janitor. <laughs> he does know the halls very well. He lives in the school again. Well, there's another episode mm-hmm. next week. So we need to go watch the next time Let's on. Let's go watch the next time on. They're going to kick the ghoulies out of Archie's house so they can take that back. Uh-huh. And Betty's going to use her FBI muscle to, like, scare him. <laughs> she's she's going to do some, like, full-on fighting, which is like, this is going to be fun. Yeah. I think her iconic ponytail has been replaced with the FBI bun. Uh, low, low bun. Okay. Like, she's, yeah. I'm, I've got to find out what their tokens are now because they're different. Monica's back. Oh, yeah, Monica the Blonde Wig's back, so that's fine. <laughs> Jughead's uh, hiding, which I immediately thought, oh, debt collectors. Yeah. Oh, his is going to be his glasses, because he, he doesn't have a hat anymore. Oh, the Stephen King thing is very good. The yeah. Stephen King vibes from him. I'm cool with that. Um, Hiram's about to cause <gasps> some mayhem. That's what needs to happen. Jughead needs a misery fan. That needs to happen to Jug <laughs> later. Season six. Come on. We know they okay, we haven't I don't think we talked about Cora, that. Cora. Cora. But it's not that she's a fan. She's just like, you will read my book and you will love it. That's oh, that would be amazing. Not oh. this that shouldn't happen this season. That should happen next season. Because his next book. He needs to finally get out of his writer's block. But that should happen to Jughead. So. A misery episode could be great. And then Betty's gotta solve it with the FBI. Could be great. <laughs> I'm a genius. See, Riverdale writer, you should let me write your show because y'all don't know what the fuck you're doing. But yeah, Archie and Betty teaming up to bust some heads. I love it. Yeah. Get the ghoulies out of their house because they're clearly destroying it. So they'd be in violation of their lease. Merritt would totally be on top of that. And somebody's having sex in a shower. Someone's having sex in a shower. I think it's going to be Betty and Glenn. That's uh, my yeah, that's, that's my guess. That's possible. It's Betty and Glenn or it's going to... I mean, we see blonde hair. So that's my guess. We see Alice. Alice shows up at some point. So we're going to see Mom. So well, that's they're cool. home. You they're know. home. So home. That's cool. We're going to see how Alice is coping. Hopefully okay. I hope we find out that like she's good. I hope she's good. She probably is, but she's also probably like, a lot of shit's going down, mm-hmm. so I'm an investigative reporter trying to do my best job. <laughs> I do know we're going to see Polly soon, because she's been, she's, I saw some pictures of her on set. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Maybe, 
Okay. <laughs> Best case scenario, maybe Polly's staying with mom and they're just having an okay life. I don't think Polly's okay. Oh, God. Yeah. Based on the picture of the actress, she looks interesting. Okay. All right. Well. Uh, we'll see. I don't really have a prediction for that, but we'll see. So, yeah. It's going to be wild. It's going to be, it's going to be Riverdale. <laughs> you know what, though? I feel like we're fully in just wild-ass Riverdale mode right now, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, it's just very like, well, okay, then. <laughs> Let's spin the wheel and see what happens. You know what? Over the past few seasons, when we've been in that place, we've been pleasantly surprised many times. I think it is fair to say that this does feel like a reset. Definitely. And I'm okay with that. Absolutely. So we definitely need, and it's it's interesting to say this, given that we are going to have a truncated season, we need a couple episodes to see where we're going with it. Oh, definitely. Because this is our season premiere. We have no clue what's coming. So like I we really we don't know what the exactly what the tone's gonna be, what the aim is gonna be, you know. I, I can't tell you like what is the thesis for this season? Like I knew what it was for season four. It was legacy. Yeah. And that definitely carried into the last three episodes that we had. And now it's like, okay, so what is it? Because I still don't know where these characters are. So it's interesting. All right. Well, until next time. Hashtag Go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.